This edition of Farm in the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farm in the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. You don't become a top producer of the year without doing some things right. Lon Fromm is known for several of the practices he's put in place on his 40,000-acre operation in western Kansas. Learn his ideas behind marketing, locking in input prices, hiring the right employees, and building a strong farm and community. It's our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, and it's brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. In 2020, I had the chance to use a new corn nitrogen product firsthand in my fields, Pivot Bioproven. Pivot Bioproven adheres to the root of the corn plant creating a mutually beneficial nitrogen-generating partnership that stays strong all the way through harvest. It's the weather-resistant and sustainable way to achieve more predictable, more productive yields than ever before. Our 2021 trial is well underway, and I'll be reporting on our findings throughout the season. We'll be looking at how Pivot Bioproven can help supply corn with the nitrogen it needs throughout the season, and that hopefully means the use of less synthetic nitrogen in the future, saving us money while still supplying the corn the nutrients it needs. Pivot Bioproven may change the way you think about nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Lon Fromm is a farmer that others look to for advice and ideas on the best practices to put in place on their operations. He farms about 40,000 acres of ground in western Kansas, and as he will share in a moment, he's the only person in his family on the farm. I think you will be very interested in some of his philosophies on marketing grain and locking in costs. He's also become well-known for his thoughts on how to recruit and retain a great farm workforce. Those views might be things anyone can put in place, not just on the farm. And at the end of this interview, we'll discuss a special event taking place at From Farmland's headquarters at the end of August, an event that's part of Farm Journal Field Days. Lon Fromm is my guest. Lawn Farms in western Kansas near Colby. Lon, uh, some folks know a lot about your operation. I know that you've been in uh, print uh, with Farm Journal and on different broadcasts, but first of all, thank you for joining me. And, and secondly, why don't you just begin by telling folks about where you farm and, and what you farm uh, there in western Kansas. Okay, I'm happy to, and I've really enjoyed working with Farm Journal over the years, ever since they named me Top Producer of the Year in 2009, that a whole bunch of things changed, and a lot of it's uh, due to working with Farm Journal. So I farm just west of Colby, Kansas, and Colby is 50 miles from Colorado and 50 miles from Nebraska, up, up in the corner. It's fairly sparsely, sparsely populated. And then we are right on I-70, so if you're going east and west there, you can look to the south and see my grain system. Uh, right now, we're growing about 95% of the bushels we raise are corn, and the rest is wheat. And uh, my joke around here is the wheat's actually my cover crop. And it, it is because we need that uh, the root structure and the cover that sometimes corn doesn't leave in the soil. I'm 100% no-till and have been since uh, 1998. There was one day when uh, we sold all the sweeps, all the discs, and I can remember them going down the road to the dealer thinking they're never coming back. What have I done? Just because of the, self-propelled, <laughs> the self-propelled sprayer came out the same day. It was, it was all one deal. 
and I thought, okay, we're 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 committed. We're committed to this, and that was one of the best decisions I've ever made for around here. When we did that, we quit summer fallowing. The common practice here is a crop every other year or two crops every three years, and I'm one of the few people that does not do that. I'm of the school that if you've got enough moisture to raise a weed, you've got enough moisture to raise a crop. And I again, I might not say that if it were not for uh, federal crop insurance, too. That's an important part of being out here where things are more marginal compared to back to the Corn Belt. So uh, the corn is dryland and irrigated, and we run about 80 center pivots, about 10,000 acres of irrigated corn, and then there's another oh, 16, 18,000 acres of dryland corn. It will vary some year by year. And that's all we do is corn. My farm is one of the one of the simplest ones in the county. I really just have one crop, and I I'm a one man I'm a one pop shop. I don't have brothers or uh, relations or uh, sons or fathers in with me. It's everything is mine. I just have one grain system, and it just has one set of scales. So there's no remote sites. I don't have a a bin you know down the road with at another farm. And everything's pretty central to the operation. So I guess altogether there's like 36,000 acres and uh, 7,000 of it's contiguous right around the farm, which makes it super efficient with like sprayers and stuff like that. And then everything else we can get to with, I kind of have a one-hour rule. If you can get there in an hour with the tractor or combine, it's close enough. And so that's essentially, you know, 25 miles, 25 miles an hour with the with the tractor except for some of the new ones that go faster you know you mentioned there that you're growing a crop every year but that isn't necessarily the practice of some other places is it that no-till and some of the cover cropping and things that you've done that you think is allowing you to do that and to conserve the moisture as best you can because it certainly can get dry pretty fast where you're at yeah absolutely and uh that transition to no-till is, is really tough. It, uh, we figure it takes at least five years with our rainfall of 18, 19, 20 inches a year to get that the ground covered covered over. And I think it's, it's a tough uh, pill to swallow, but in converting from the tillage to no-till here, you're, we're going to have worse crops for up to five years. So it, it takes quite a commitment. There's a lot of guys that have backed off. They get too frustrated at resistant weeds and then they'll go out and work the ground one time and that you can almost have to start back over it's been tempting but uh, never have tilled any of it i guess i could back up and say it's strip till on the irrigation but there's so much residue in there sometimes you can hardly even tell that the strip till rig went through we strip till in the fall and put in put on anhydrous ammonia and uh, usually a shot of phosphorus and then come back and put uh, fertilizer on with the planter. And then depending on the needs, we put a nitrogen on in the middle of the summer through the pivots, but just all based on, on what, what needs the crop have. You know, Lon, you mentioned that you're mostly corn, you know, 95% there or more. I think people be interested since you have everything kind of in, in one commodity there, how do you look at, at marketing, a general plan? How do you look to make things cash flow? Because you need that one commodity to, to come through for you every time. So yeah, how do you um, make that work? I do everything as far forward as possible. 
And some people think it's risky sticking my head out. Uh, yeah, if someone would buy corn more than two years down the road, I, w- I would probably tick them up at least on a small part. And I think I'm conservative because I lock everything in whenever I can see a profit. And we've, you know, we've got some fertilizers, the big unknown. We pretty much know what our pumping costs are going to be, and the seed companies don't change stuff too fast, although it can change. And we've got our crop budgets in place. And so when we look forward, I've sold quite a bit of 2022 crop, and we're watching 2023. So I can't book my fertilizer out quite that far. But um, I've I've usually got I've got two, at least two crops sold ahead, and I'll go all the way up to the insurance coverage until it pollinates, and then I'll go further. And so our pollination is this week, and it's been watching. And I I told my I call it my marketing committee. I've got a couple guys that that help me. Some of them actually enjoy it. I I still have a hard time understanding that. I guess I had to do it by myself so many years, and you had at some point you have to make a decision. And I just have memories of all those times and being forced into decisions that I didn't like. So it's fun to, to share that. So you asked me uh, about, well, all my eggs in one basket with corn. But uh, I, the, I kind of sell or market continuously. With the, the bin system I have is 3.8 million bushels. And that's what I hope to raise every year. And so there's grain going out almost every week of the year. If you divide that out, a semi has to leave the farm, uh, 12 semis have to leave the farm every day of every working day of of the year. So we can't, we don't have the luxury of being able to hold it all to to one month or or even two months. It it has to kind of be in a continuous, continuous shipping mode. So we just maintain elevator hours there at the headquarters and I sell everything FOB. So I do not do any hauling from the farm to an end user for the most part. But uh, so all the semis I have are for taking it from the field to the farm headquarters. Again, whenever I have a chance to make a variable cost into a fixed cost and, and the fixed cost is known and I can see a margin in it, I'll pull the trigger. Have you found that, of course, this last year we had, you know, corn, bean, all the grain prices go up, but now we have the other inputs catching up, so to speak. Has that made it harder? Because you mentioned you can't always lock in some of those fertilizer costs as far out as you can some of the grain that you might sell. So how have you managed that as you're looking for right. it right well, now? Well, this last time, I, as, as we were doing the early selling, we were booking the fertilizers. And, uh, of course, like I said, some of the fertilizer goes on in the fall. Um, but, uh, um, pretty much didn't get caught this year. I had all those inputs locked in before the <clears throat> prices started going up, but now I'm sitting, you know, looking at next year, but, uh, gosh, you know, we were selling some corn for $6 picked up at the farm for early next year. And so that leaves me quite a, quite a cushion, but, um, we're starting to watch and since I know what it's sold for, as I watch the fertilizer price, I can see what my margin is going to be. And so when I see one that I like, I'll, I'll jump on that. One of my favorite sayings is do some now and do some later. You know, hey, it's time to sell. Well, I'll do some now, do some later. Time to buy fertilizer, do some now, do some later. 
and only do it on an up day. <laughs> so you can't kick yourself too bad. You can't right. be more than half half wrong, and you know that you can be right better than even if it was the few pennies in the market. Well, I didn't do it this morning, and it's up two cents. So I'll I'll take the two cents and know that I didn't screw up completely. <laughs> right, right. You know, Lon, one of the things that, uh, and you've kind of alluded to at the, earlier on, with this many acres to cover, employees become important. And I know a lot of uh, times it's been written about how you work with employees. Talk about how you do that, because, you know, with, with farms, really of any size, but especially your size, you need good, reliable employees. The culture at my farm is way different than most farms. And I, I just get so tired of hearing, oh, we can't get good help anymore. We can't get good help. Well, that's that doesn't have to be that way. Um, what's your goal to be is the employer of preference in your area. And I don't see myself as competing with other farms for employees. I compete with the implement dealer in town or the chemical company that needs a, a manager. And so I, you know what those benefits are, the standards, the, the hours. And so I keep that in mind. But uh, most guys I've noticed given the same um, rewards, they'd rather be out on the farm and the tractor than, you know, turning wrenches in the back of the John Deere dealership or uh, be sitting in marketing meetings and being in sales on the phone all the time. In fact, that's a great place to get employees is uh, John Deere mechanic. I just hired one earlier this year. I've never taken anyone away from a uh, sales job yet. Do you find that it's not a problem getting somebody in that doesn't have a lot of farm experience? Uh, can you train them up and, and right. have them I've, do well? I, uh, that's the way I prefer to do it. And of my 12 full, full-time guys, there's really only two or three that grew up on a farm very much. Most of my employees are town kids, and they don't have any bad habits. And they're interested to learn and, and listen. And so I'd, I'd, that would almost be my preference. But it's great when they have another skill, like uh, being an electrician, being able to be a plumber, being able to be a carpenter. Uh, we hired a kid from the tire shop here last year. That's been tremendous, having a tire person on the farm. So uh, back to the main philosophy is uh, empowering people, empowering so that they can make their own decisions and help make their own goals. And it's one thing to say, you know, here's what you need to get done, but I'll say, and here's the tools. And whether the tool is, say, the tire machine or the tool is some software or the tool is a subscription to something, so you need tools and then you need training. And training would be, in general, education. And so if you've got tools and training to get your job accomplished and you're in charge, um, it's a very satisfying setup for everybody. And it's, it's not always as smooth as that, but that's my main philosophy, is empowering people, giving them tools and giving them training. When you think about all that you do for employees, and you talked about it there for a moment, you've not yet mentioned pay. So I'm wondering... How important is pay in all of those lists of, of benefits? So obviously, they want to get paid and hopefully have a good wage, but I'm wondering yeah, how pay, you structure uh, that. Pay is not, not the top one. And if you do much reading in that area, and I've seen it ranked, you know, number three and number four, sure, maybe even number five. And again, I'm bidding against what the John Deere dealer pays. 
or what the chemical company pays or what the kids can get right out of college with their degree when they go interview. So it pays down there, but it's important. Uh, I think it's having control over your job is I've seen as number one in the the satisfaction and being included, you know, being part of decisions instead of just waiting to be told what to do. So, so you think, but you asked me about pay. Um, there's no time, time clock on my farm. And except for the uh, kids working after school or weekends, everyone on my farm is on salary, whether they drive a truck or run the grain elevator or are the accountant. And there's no time clock anywhere. And the employees are in charge of setting their own hours. So we go over what needs to happen, and then they figure out if we're working on Saturday or if we're taking off Wednesday so they can all go golf or if we're working, you know, further into the night. And so we kind of work or they choose to work when the work needs done, and then we'll take a day off whenever the task is accomplished. I guess the classic wouldn't be the day after harvest. We always take off. I don't have a formal bonus program in place. The bonuses can get out of hand and people, I, I did, and at one point the bonuses were getting to be as much as the base salary because <laughs> I was I didn't want to raise salaries up because I never wanted to have to lower them and it got more and more complicated. And so we sat down and said, hey, let's just simple is one of my mottos. If there's a way to simplify something or keep it simple, let's do that. So it's very simple. Everyone's on salary, and there might be little incidental, gee, you know, thanks for working last weekend. Here's some a little bit of extra cash. That would be as far as my bonuses go. But it, it's all worked in the big picture. And part of the compensation here, I guess I didn't say, out of the 11, 12 full-time guys, nine of them own their own farm ground. And none of them had it before. They All of them bought that ground after they came to work for me. And I've helped them buy that. And most one of, one of the guys has actually five quarter sections now. And he was a town kid. And uh, almost everybody has a quarter. So part of their bonus is how good does their crop do? And how good of a job did they do marketing? And so everyone has to market grain because they have to market their own at the farm and everyone has to make fertilizers decisions and everyone has to make seed decisions. And so I guess I hadn't thought of it this way, but yeah, their bonus is in, in how good of a crop they can raise. You know, one of the things that I know you've done with your employees as well, and, and you personally is charitable giving within the community. And I wanted to make sure to touch on that because how do you look at that as far as you help your employees be able to give the things important to them, but you also give back into your community as well. And that's a very important part of, of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. If you go to the website and uh, see my vision and mission, um, building communities is, is one of the um, pillars of my mission and vision. And there's all different ways to build communities and they're all different types of communities. It isn't just my town of Colby, but the community of farmers who raise corn or the community of people that use a certain software. There's so many different kinds of communities. And I think that's all what we really want at the end of the day is to be successful and to have a community to be part of. So it's cash. It's we go into town to help things. It's 
scholarships. It's uh, but the fun thing that I came up with was I would have people come and ask for money, and I wasn't sure. And I thought I'm the only one that's interested in this, and I I really would like to know about other places to help. And so I came up with this idea. It's called the From Farmlands Employee Advised Fund. And so through my local community foundation, each employee has an account, and I put money in every year. And it can only go to approved charities in the area through the that the the foundation sponsors. And then so they have a form, and through the year they decide, you know, how much for this and how much for that. Some of them give it all to one place, and some split it out quite a bit. Uh, one of the bluegrass festival, a lot of them give to to the fair. Some give to their churches. But uh, the money touches a lot more places and people than it would if I were just sitting down myself trying to write checks. And the little side thing that's kind of nice is I can refer people to the employees when they ask me for money. I can say, well, the, you know, how about going to the employees have money for some things like this. Why don't you go and, and talk to one of them? Then the uh, foundation gives me a nice accounting at the end of the year and I can see where all the money went. Sure, sure. No, it's a great idea. And using community foundations, I know that's something that we've talked about in, in interviews on this uh, show and podcast uh, before. So that works well. You know, before we run out of time, some people may say, wow, we've hit a lot of topics. I'd love to know more. There's a good way for them to learn more because we have an event coming up at your farm here uh, next month. Why don't you talk about what's going to be happening out there? I believe it's the end of August. Uh, it's on Friday, the 27th. Uh, we're going to be starting with uh, a group session for breakfast, and you guys are going to be taping there, I believe. Yes. The first, the first yeah, first, and then <clears throat> we'll split up into four groups and tour different areas of the farm. And the it's we'll try to pick areas where we're doing something that is a little bit unique or something that we think is extremely important and beneficial to the success of our operation. And one of them is is just our headquarters building. We have a lot of things that most people don't that uh, enhance the way we're able to do our job. So, you know, to our headquarters building and the most recent project on the farm is sometimes we call it the sprayer shed, but it's the crop health building and houses the three sprayers and chemicals and bulk loading. And we have a little tire shop in the in the corner even. Then the grain system is many years is my profit center, and so we'll have a, a grain system tour of the uh, 3.8 million bushels. And I've got uh, three grain dryers totaling 10,000 bushels per hour, and so we'll review that and the way everyone's scale house is set up a little bit different uh, for their needs. I think everyone wants to see the scale house. And then the fourth place will be we'll meet in my main shop and talk about um, crop practices and any kind of general things or, or specific with that. Then I guess everyone's interested in everybody else's shop too at, at some point. So we'll have those, those four areas and then we will meet for lunch and there's the speaker and I think that finishes the day. No, I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, I know that uh, folks are looking forward to coming out there, and it's just a great way to meet you and the employees and, and learn a little bit more. Is it one of those things that uh, you enjoy getting ready for those events too? I, You know, sometimes when you have to get ready for an event like on the, that on the farm, it's fun, but it's also a little work too. 
Well, if you don't have things like that, or if you don't have visitors or tours, nothing ever completely gets cleaned up. And so I've <laughs> been saying since about January, you know, this is coming up. It would be really nice to get this finished up, to get the junk pile cleaned up and moved, to, to get this moved out, to go ahead and paint, you know, that. And so I'm kind of enjoying having a deadline and tasks so that everybody so no, you're, I'm serious about this. It isn't just put it off. This is, this is the date. So I'm pleased to have the farmstead looking pretty good. I've been doing more mowing than I do most years, too, thinking I can't let any of this get out of hand. Well, Lon, I've enjoyed the time to visit, and I hope a lot of people do come out to, to see you, and I'm looking forward to the event next month. Okay. Thank you. I really enjoyed the visit with Lon. I felt like he had a lot of great ideas to consider, everything from how he markets grain and locks in input prices to how he recruits and retains his farm help. And as we mentioned at the end of the interview, Farm Journal Field Days is coming to his farm on August 26th and 27th. That's an on-farm event that you can attend and see and learn firsthand. You'll need to pre-register, and the best way I can direct you to do that is just go to the web and type in register for Farm Journal Field Days. You'll find the site, and you'll be able to look at several places where those field days will be held across the country. And if you can't attend in person, there's a virtual option you can choose as well. As always, thank you for joining us either on your local radio station or via the podcast. Remember, there are several ways you can connect with me. Just follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook or catch our daily American Countryside radio broadcasts on your local radio station or on the web. And now you can also find us at TotalTownMakeover.com or follow Total Town Makeover on Facebook for content related to improving your community. I'm Andrew McRae. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.